And hello once again. Current time is 9 a.m. on the nose on this Wednesday, the 2nd of December. And welcome to Community Pulse, your locally produced program on the coronavirus pandemic here in mid-Missouri. As a reminder of our production schedule, you can catch Community Pulse live Mondays and Wednesdays from 9 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. If you happen to miss any part of it, no worries. We upload the episodes to our website, also our Facebook feed, and you can find them on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. On today's program, wow, what a topic we have. Uh, public health adv- advocate Ginny Chadwick will be interviewing Krista Pierger. She is of the Geek Foundation, and we'll be discussing new career paths in the COVID era uh, and a great article from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. So uh, we'll have that on our website as well later. But let's get to the discussion. Uh, Jenny, good morning and welcome to you, Krista. So much, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Yes, thank you, Krista. I'm super excited to get to the topic. But as we start all of our Community Pulse episodes, I want to talk about the numbers of what's going on across Missouri. So we had the Thanksgiving break and, you know, I think that um, – Public health officials across the country believe that after this break, we'll probably see a spike in the COVID-19 numbers because as many people came together and gathered in um, intimate settings and and some larger gatherings than we would want during a pandemic. So we identified 3,738 cases of COVID-19 in Missouri yesterday, bringing our state total to 323,000. 526. And I'm going to be talking a little bit about Canada today. So just to put that in perspective, you know, the state of Missouri has more COVID-19 cases than the entire country of Canada has identified since the pandemic began. And when we really look at death rates um, for COVID-19, we are averaging, um, uh, so we had 92 deaths yesterday in the state of Missouri. Um, And that average is now we're at 46 deaths. So almost two Missourians are dying per hour in the state of Missouri. Um, We know and are hearing that our hospital beds are at capacity, um, you know, in many areas, especially rural areas, and that, um, you know, here in Boone County, we are at a a yellow, which is um, meaning that we are getting very full and close to um, that red zone. So news today, there is um, information on the AP that um, the CDC is planning to shorten the COVID-19 quarantine period. So the difference between quarantine and isolation is that if you're in isolation, you have tested positive for the virus and that you isolate for 10 days, meaning that's the, 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 the virus takes, you know, about 10 days to leave the system. And quarantine had been a 14-day period, so a difference in number, like if you have been exposed to the virus but have not been identified as contracting the virus, you were quarantined for 14 days because the virus has an incubation period, meaning sometime from the time you're exposed um, to the time you um, show symptoms and are positive, then you um, are quarantined. And they are they are planning to, at least the um, early rumors have it, that they are planning to reduce that quarantine to, to 10 days and seven days if you take a test and you test negative. So I'm sure more information to come on that. They do believe that the majority of people um, contract the virus between day four and day five. 
so that shortening that um, might help more people comply with the guidance of staying at home during that quarantine period. Um, Also, information out today um, on Yahoo News um, in that the Department of Homeland Security and Health and Human Services has identified the entire country as a sustained hotspot right now after the Thanksgiving um, weekend. And so we are in the red pretty much anywhere within the, the, the U.S., And Canada reaffirmed yesterday that they are continuing to keep their borders closed to any U.S. um, non-essential travel. And so when we think about where we are limited to go uh, because of the fact that we are a red zone across the country, you know, we we are now being isolated as a country. So on the exciting, like more positive news of what's happening in COVID-19. Yesterday, Pew Research put out a bulletin that I got and got to stumble across an article in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch on, um, and the article's titled, For Some Missourians, COVID-19 Has Paved a Way to New Careers. And I think that this is part of the exciting things that are coming out of um, the CARES Act money. So Missouri initially received um, CARES Act money from the federal government and officials set aside $125 million for workforce development and higher education initiatives. The primary chunk of that $125 million went to higher education, so public and private universities. Um, But a large majority of that money still went in other places to provide job training for Missourians. And so um, the Missouri Job Center was reopened. Um, it received $10.7 million of those dollars. And then money has gone to other um, training to help Missourians re focus their careers. And so this is where we come to you, Krista, and that I was so excited to read about what the Geek Foundation is doing um, through COVID-19. So first, can you tell us, our listeners, what is the Geek Foundation and a little bit about you and Miranda um, as founders? Yeah. Um, thank you again for having me on the show. And yeah, I'm really excited to talk about the work that we're doing here. Um, the Geek Foundation is a nonprofit that's based out of Springfield, Missouri, that uh, Miranda and I started about five years ago. Um, we teach tech education. Um, so, you know, like computer programming classes, like web development, IT, um, robotics, um, areas like that, you know, for all ages. So we work with kids, you know, to get them interested in tech so that they want to go into tech careers as they um, grow older. And then we teach workforce development classes to adults. So the the mission of that is for um, adults to be able to go through like a six-month program that we do and they can be um, have the skill sets to be uh, ready to go into entry-level positions in the fields. Um, we, um, our mission is, though, to create diversity in the field. So mm-hmm. we've noticed, you know, by both working in the tech industry and going through college, you know, things like that. My, my partner, she went through um, college and was the only girl in her class until her senior year of college. So, um, you know, both of us kind of like realizing that the the tech industry is heavily outweighed with male to female populations. Um, we decided to create a nonprofit, you know, that would 
um, act as an avenue to, for underrepresented populations to go directly into the career fields. So um, our cost, like I said, our classes are about six months long and, you know, with the objective of getting the skill sets that you need to go into the classes. So we started this organization, like I said, five years ago um, after meeting each other because I had kind of grown up as a girl, like, you know, a traditional, what you'd call like a geek girl. You know, I grew up playing video games and was Tell really interested in Tell what geek means science. to you. Yeah. What does geek yeah, mean geek. to you? Everyone's a geek really kind of about something. So mm-hmm. like a geek, you know, traditionally is someone that you would think like, oh, they know a lot about a particular subject, you know, and they want to talk a lot about that particular subject. But, and usually it's, usually related to like video gamers or comic book lovers or, you know, cosplayers, which I am all of those things, you know, but really like a geek can be anybody, you know, that's just really passionate about something, you know, so you can be a football geek, you can be a food geek, you could be a TV geek, you could be a radio geek, you know, like it's just being very passionate about something. But I was, you know, kind of the, the stereotypical what you would label a geek girl growing up because I was into all of those things and I liked science and I was a math lead, you know, and all those things, but I didn't have role models growing up in the eighties, you know, to say like, mm-hmm. you should go into the STEM field, you know, or you should go into science or, Hey, you should go try to work for NASA, you know, like I didn't have any of those role models growing up. So um, as I grew older, I, you know, took actually like through Spanish five in high school thinking I wanted to be an international interpreter and it just never quite like stuck. It just never felt like my path, you know? So, um, uh, in about 2009, I was able to date a guy who was a programmer, a computer programmer and saw the work that he was doing, you know, on his computer and, and just immediately became fascinated with the industry and wanted to learn how to become a computer programmer. So I, you know, did a lot of like talking to people and trying to, you know, like learn how to get into the industry. And I kept, you know, get getting met with what we hear a lot about the tech industry is that there's a gatekeeper mentality, you know, that it's, it's hard to be a woman or to be a person of color and to get into the tech industry. Um, but, you know, I kept asking around, like, how do I get involved? And I did keep getting met with that, like, oh, it's too hard. Or if you haven't been doing it your whole life or, you know, mm-hmm. and I was just, I just kept thinking, this doesn't sound right. You know, like it doesn't, it doesn't seem that hard, you know? So um, I watched those organizations, like wonderful organizations like Girls Who Code and Women Who Code pop up, you know, and and kind of set myself on a mission to do the same thing in Southwest Missouri, you know? So um, after starting, after I changed the question from how do I get involved to would you hire people on without a traditional four-year degree, the dynamic changed and everybody was like on board and interested because it's like, yeah, well, if, if they can pass our technical interviews, then yeah, we would hire them on without a traditional four year degree. So, um, and so I set on a mission to start the school. And you guys have a lot of resources on your website on the geek foundation. Mm-hmm. So, and especially as, you know, a lot of kids are at home right now with online school and, and that, you know, they're starting their curiosity and their path and interest in this. So what are some of the resources that you guys have geared towards children? 
Well, we do classes as well. Everything, of course, got put on hold um, with COVID for quite a while. But we used to do classes like at our local libraries, at the Boys and Girls Clubs. And we're getting ready to start Mm -hmm. some of this back up again with the Boys and Girls Clubs and Springfield Public Schools um, down here. But we do like hands-on interactive classes like robotics and like wearable technologies, you know, things like that. But we also Mm -hmm. recommend like if kids are at home and they can't, you know, come to our classes or they don't live in the area to use sources like Scratch or Code.org or, you know, other, there's a multitude of like great drag and drop programs that are online, you know, that can get kids interested in coding. Um, So tell us what Scratch is, because I see it on your website. Yeah, Scratch um, is is just kind of a, a creation you know, a tool that you can use to to create a whole lot of different things, honestly, you know. So um, there there's a lot of different programs. I don't use Scratch as often, to be honest, myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that the kids use a lot within schools here, uh, within mm-hmm. Springfield Public Schools. So they already kind of have some experience with that because we try to do our own tailored programs for our kids specifically. So like our our programs are usually like, you know, a multi-hour long, you know, thing where they can come and learn hands-on. So I don't have as much, um, sure. you know, experience with those programs that we use as resources, but we like to put them out there so that if kids can't come to our classes, that they do have resources that they can use. And right now you guys are not offering remote kids' classes, is that? Accurate? Not yet, but that is an, mm-hmm. that is a model that we're working on putting in. We did do a remote class for our first round of adults classes that we did. And um, so we started our, we actually started our first um, workforce development classes earlier this year. And um, we did an IT class and a web development class and our web development class was online. Um, but through that, we learned that people really do well learning in person if possible. So we switched both of our classes to in person um, the second round with the Missouri Job Center partnership, but we are looking at a model moving forward of being able to do remote programming so that we can offer it in multiple locations. So tell us about that partnership with Missouri Job Center and what those classes look like for adults. Yeah, it's been incredible to get to partner with the Missouri Job Center this year. Um, we're really excited about that. It's been it's been wonderful um, to be on board with that. We've been able to recruit um, a lot of great students. So those classes both started in October, at the end of October. We have an IT class, which is a CompTIA A-plus certification class. So that, you know, works on teaching hardware and things like that that you need to go into entry-level positions in IT. And then we also started a web development class. Um, So you learn, you know, great languages like HTML and CSS and JavaScript and Java and things needed to go in as a web developer in the industry as well. And those are entry-level positions, too. So down here in Springfield, we have a lot of great – we have really a lot of great tech companies that people don't think of as tech companies but are Mm -hmm. large – have large hiring departments like O'Reilly Automotive, Jack Henry & Associates, Expedia. We have an Expedia base here. Um, We have Fast Pro. And all of those companies, like, are consistently hiring because they just cannot find enough people with the skill sets needed for tech jobs. So um, we teach the skills, like, tailored to a lot of companies. Like, I've done a lot of research on even, like, making sure that, you know, companies across the world are utilizing the languages that we're teaching. So people even, you know, can live here if they're taking a class here 
and then work remotely for other positions across the world as well. So um, you learn the skill sets that you need to get into those positions. So that six-month uh, or 24-week class started on October the 28th and 29th for the two different classes, mm-hmm. and 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 it is being held in person, correct, on Mondays and Wednesdays. And and how yes. many people do you have enrolled in each of those classes then? Um, we have about 10 students enrolled in each. We're trying to keep the numbers low so that everybody can socially distance and be safe and, you know, mask and all those things right now. But we're hoping, you know, with new news coming out, you know, of vaccinations and things like that, then in spring when we start our next round of classes, we can have a larger amount of classes, a larger amount of students enroll. And hopefully by then, too, we maybe even have our remote model instilled as well. Yeah, and so when will those classes start in the spring? Do you guys have a date set yet? Um, We're planning on probably um, April or May right now. And once this round of students completes the boot camp, what are some of the jobs that they typically go into? And you mentioned some of the employers that are hiring, but what does the market look like for them? The market has actually grown in need (laughs) through COVID too. So um, IT jobs have had more of a strain put on them. That's what I think is so valuable about the tech industry is that it is a, it's a career path that will never like cap out. Like they'll never be like, Oh, now we've got it filled kind of like, you know, healthcare or other industries where, you know, here we have a very competitive healthcare field. Um, we have a lot of students going through healthcare that can't find positions because there's just not enough jobs open. But the tech industry will never be that way because there will always be new, new technologies developing, new languages, and you can continuously learn new languages once you get started and and keep making more and more money. You know, you can start as a web developer, but, you know, get into cloud computing and then go into other fields, you know, later and make, you know, and increase your salary exponentially, you know, through time. Um, So here, you know, our positions, like our first round of students got, two people got internships at a technology, an IT company here called Pit Technology Group. So one of our web developers will be an intern for them for a entry-level web development position, and one will be an entry-level IT person, which is a, a, a support technician position. So um, those classes, you know, will help you get into IT support te- level technician, support technician, to entry-level support technician positions, and then the, um, the web development class will help you get into um, entry-level web developer positions. So whether that's an internship, you know, so like um, companies here, like O'Reilly Automotive and Jack Henry, they do internships. Um, so our students, I've worked with those companies, you know, to, to ensure that when our students graduate, that some of those can go into directly into internships there. And then if they pass through their internship programs, which are, you know, I think, 20 weeks long, I believe, or 12 weeks long and 20 hours a week, and they're paid internships, then they can go, as long as they pass through their tests and everything like that as well, they can go directly into um, positions at those companies. And you mentioned that this is through a partnership with the Missouri Job Center. For our listeners who don't know what Missouri Job Center is, can you can you give a brief description and how that, um, what the COVID-19 um, partnership has looked like? Yeah, the Missouri Job Center is a really great resource locally here for um, helping people get into 
different types of careers. So I, I know that they kind of like help with soft skills. They help with job training. They help with a lot of different resources. We've um, just been able to be lucky enough to partner with them, you know, through them hearing about the work that we're doing because our classes are free. Um, so, you know, we, we try to make our classes always free so that they're easily affordable and accessible for everyone. Um, so, um, I think they kind of just had heard about the work that we were doing, you know, and they didn't really have like a technology, you know, strain like that yet mm-hmm. of career development. So they, you know, reached out and we, we decided to partner together on, on offering these classes with CARES Act funding. Um, but they're a really great, a really great resource for career development. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that your classes are always free, but Obviously, it takes resources to make the classes happen. So um, how has the CARES Act funding helped to, to make that possible? Yeah, it's, it's definitely helped, too, because, you know, we have, a, we have a, a pricing model of how much a, a scholarship is for our students, you know, to go through. And so it's, it's helped exponentially to be able to break down those barriers, you know, that it would take for students to get enrolled in our classes. Mm-hmm. All right, so some of the other things that are happening in the news that I just want to make sure that our listeners um, know about is the CDC did come um, up with a vaccine schedule. So they, they voted on Wednesday or will, will be voting today, I'm sorry about that, um, to recommend the schedule. And, and there is now a state um, COVID-19, so it's covidvaccine.missouri.gov. Um, you know, in looking at it, it, it looks like they've identified some first phase target one um, priorities being healthcare workers, essential workers, and high risk population, and then target two being, uh, you know, phase one population and all the rest of Missourians. So I think more details hopefully to come on what that looks like. But as far as um, the New York Times did a really good job reporting out what it, the plan is for the first doses. So obviously healthcare work, well, I shouldn't say obviously, the CDC has deemed that healthcare workers and nursing home residents will likely be the first to receive the vaccine. And it's expected that in December, about 40 million doses will come out. I want you to all our listeners to recall that those doses um, that it is recommended that every individual take two doses of the vaccine about two weeks to four weeks apart. And so there, that would cover about um, 20 million Americans with currently the country having 21 million healthcare workers. And that looking at the next batch of vaccines being available, it's anticipated that Pfizer and uh, Moderna We'll have about 40 million vaccine doses available in January. So with the idea that approximately 20 million people might be vaccinated by um, that early January, we have 328 million Americans. So in order for us to reach that herd um, immunity level, it's going to take some time. There's anticipation based on this um, information that... um, in April, May, and June, we'll be able to vaccinate um, non-essential workers. The vaccine has not been approved for anybody under the age of 18 or has not been tested or um, on anybody the, under the age of 18 yet. And so um, it's not being recommended for 
our younger kiddos. And so the thought of what is going to happen next semester, I heard a story, well, a conversation of a, 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 a child asking for a, a, a sports logoed mask and the mom saying, we wouldn't need those next year. And I just, I know that we think that, or want, <laughs> maybe we don't think, but we yeah. want COVID-19 to end in 2020, but it is going to be here for a while, which, you know, because I'm really excited to hear that in the spring, you guys are considering those online classes to make them more accessible to all of Missouri, sounds like, correct? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. We we definitely would love to expand our programs. Yeah, um, and you said that this is like the, the first round of, of um, classes that you had um, or the one that just finished up, how many students participated in those IT and web developer um, classes? Yeah, we had, we wound up having 10 students graduate from that program. So it, we just had our graduation for our first round of classes um, last Tuesday, actually. It was pretty exciting oh. to get to see two of the students who go directly into internships, which is paid internships at that. So um, yeah, it's been a, a really rewarding and exciting year for the Geek Foundation and for our students as well. And as you highlight the need for increasing minority and um, female into the profession, so it's so important. Um, the Columbia Missourian has an article out today um, that um there has been a bill filed by Senator Andrew Koenig of Manchester that would prohibit local communities from putting in um, COVID-19 restrictions, such as temporary closures of high-risk locations. So um, that bill was filed and would be concerning for places around the state that do um, implement their stay-at-home orders as the governor has called for this to be handled at a local level. So um, I'm sure more to come as the state legislature considers that bill. Tonight, the Columbia Public School is holding a virtual um, world cafe um, from five to seven. From five to six, they'll be talking about COVID and the um, Columbia Public Schools, the state of the community's health. And then from Six to seven, there will be a teaching and learning and virtual two-day hybrid, four-day hybrid model discussion. So um, for anybody who's interested in joining on that discussion, that is on the CPS homepage website. I know that I've heard that the mayor and providing commissioner will be on that discussion panel. So I look forward to hearing what our community is thinking as far as what our next steps as you know we truly hit um hopefully the peak of this virus that we've been preparing for for so long but but the peak means that everything we've done to this point we have to do to come back down so because as you look towards next year what are i know that there's events on your guys's community website that um that are across the state. So can you talk a little bit about the other groups that make all of this come together for our state? I'm sorry. Now what, what was your question? Yeah. So yeah, on no problem on your, um, on your website, you guys link to a calendar that includes, you know, 
other events that happen across the state of Missouri. So looks like, you know, there's there's events that happen in Kansas City and the events. So I wondered if you can talk a little bit about the other resources that lie within the state more broadly. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of really great resources when it comes to tech. Like there's um, like a women's um, tech organization out of Kansas City that we have, you know, talked with before. There's like really great maker um, spaces that are based in Kansas City. So if you want to learn anything like robotics and 3D printing, there's some really fantastic uh, maker spaces up there. St. Louis has Launch Code, which is um, a really fantastic program. We actually use their curriculum for our web development program. So we partnered with them to utilize their curriculum for our for our front-end and full-stack web development program, and they're a really great organization that does workforce development, too, based out of St. Louis. Um, so we, we try to connect with and promote any organizations in Missouri that are kind of doing work like ours, you know, or work related to the tech or makerspace industries. So if anyone has any suggestions as well on other great organizations doing work like ours in other areas, I would love to connect with them, too. And you have a call for volunteers on your website. If people are hearing about the Geek Foundation for the first time, how can they engage and help out? Yes, I mean, reach out to us anytime. We're definitely always looking for volunteers. We're looking to partner with anyone, you know, on expanding our programs. Um, any, any, any ways that anyone would like to work with us or be involved, I'm always happy to connect with them and, and see what we can do together. Excellent. Thank you so much, Krista. The geekfoundation.org is the website. We are excited to hear what is happening in Missouri in the positive ways that COVID-19 has changed our community. Thank you again for joining us. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for having me on. Thank you very much, Ginny, and uh, thank you, Krista. That was quite the uplifting conversation. If anyone is considering making a career change, now would absolutely be the time to do it. Um, if you happen to miss any of that conversation, you, of course, can find it on our Facebook feed, our website, kopn.org, and also Spotify and Apple Podcasts. The web address, one more time, www.thegeekfoundation.org. Nice and easy to remember. You can also find them on Facebook. So thank you very much to our hosts, our guests, and you, dear listener. I'll have to get a plug-in for Giving Tuesday once again as well. $8,500 for your listener-supported and volunteer-operated community radio station. Thank you so much, Columbia. We wish you a pleasant weekend. Please stay safe and stay informed. We will come to you live once again Monday at 9 a.m. 51% follows. A pleasant day.